good for us? That's not being recorded, so. Um, so, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Um, it's great to worship, worship Jesus together, isn't it? Um, over the past few weeks, we have been praying for a church here in Warsaw, different church each week, um, just praying for the, the leadership and the pastor and the church in, in the ministries that they have. We're going to push pause on that this morning, and we're going to pray for um, Las Vegas and just pray for all that's taking place in Las Vegas. And Tony, come on up. And, and specifically, we're going to pray for the churches in Las Vegas. So this is, is Tony Ryan. Tony grew up in Las Vegas. Tony was part of an awesome church in Las Vegas that immediately on Monday, the church started opening their doors to, to people just that were just looking for answers and needed some, some comfort and some prayer. And, um, and so I've asked Tony just to come and lead us in praying for, for the families that were devastated by what took place late Sunday night and for the churches and for the community in Las Vegas just as they, as they work through this tragic time. Well, good morning, everybody. When Tom sent me an email and asked me if I would want to come and lead the prayer for my home city, for my home church. It was absolutely honoring and humbling. I have a lot of things that I could say to you this morning about the city of Las Vegas. The most important thing I want you to know that I feel that the Lord really wants you to know, besides the fact that there's roughly 2 million people that live there, work there, worship there, God is there. God is alive and well in Las Vegas, Nevada, just as he is here in the city of Warsaw. A lot of people don't understand that we really do have a community in Las Vegas. It's not just Sin City. There's a community. Las Vegas is one of the cities that rivals back and forth with which one is the, has the most churches per capita. And Las Vegas is ranked up as one of those. There are more churches in Las Vegas than you can actually count. And as Tom said, my home church of Canyon Ridge Christian Church is an awesome church. I love that church, but I love it mostly because of the people. My church home there, my church family there, they're absolutely amazing people. When people ask me, what do I miss about living in Las Vegas? It's usually my number one answer. I do. I miss my church family there. But now I have a really cool church family here with all of you. A couple of very quick things. Um, I personally know the police officer who was the first in the room of the gunman. And as he said, it's a good thing that that person took his own life because he, as well as the other police officers, would have been killed almost instantly if if he hadn't. So I have a very personal connection to that moment there are five members of Canyon Ridge right now that are still in the hospital, one of which had surgery yesterday, uh, spinal surgery, because the bullet was so close to her spine that they waited all of these days before doing surgery. So I would appreciate extra special prayers for her. The pastor of Canyon Ridge Christian Church, his name is Kevin Oder. Him and his wife, Ginger, have been pastoring that church for 25 years. Kevin is six foot six, and for some reason, pastors are supposed to be bald, apparently, because he's also bald. His wife is 5'2". She's two inches shorter than I am, so you can just picture this. 
They're two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Kevin also has an amazing sense of humor, much like our pastor. Uh, he's a great guy. I could stand here and I, could, I literally could talk to you for hours about the incredible things going on in the city of Las Vegas and how God is moving there. But more than anything else, I just want to thank you for praying for that city, for praying for the churches there, for praying for God to be able to move in and amongst the people of the city of Las Vegas. So would you please join me in prayer? Oh, Father God, we love you so, so very much. We thank you, Lord, that we know you are everywhere. We thank you, God, that you move amongst us, that you bless us with the ability to reach out to others. Father, we pray specifically this morning for all of the churches in Las Vegas, Nevada, Canyon Ridge, and so many others that immediately reached out to the community after this horrific event. Father, I know that they want us to pray specifically that they would be able to reach those who are unchurched, who need you so desperately. We pray, Father, that as we are one church with many, many locations, that you would bless every single church and church body to reach out in your name. Father, we pray for the victims that are still suffering and struggling to recover. We just ask, Father, that your healing touch would be upon them. Father, we ask for your comfort and mercy to be with those who are mourning the loss of someone so dear to them. We pray, Father, for law enforcement as they do their best to figure things out and to keep every city safe. And Father, mostly we just pray that you would help us to be your hands and feet, no matter where we're at. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tony. So this week, if you would just just continue to pray for for just the recovery of, of what's taken place. Pray for our country and just what um, the reaction is that's taking place right now. Um, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue in Philippians today. I just wanted, I felt like I needed to reread where we left off last week to set the tone for this morning. So, so here's what, what we finished with. It was an example of Jesus and his humility and his love. And verse 9 of chapter 2 says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And I recognize that that, that couple verses is happening and going to happen. It's inevitable. And so Monday morning, as we started getting texts um, through our phones from my uncle, who's in Southern California, he's kind of our family news, news guy. When something quick happens, he's quick to, to let us know what's taking place. So we got started getting texts from him, found out um, his best friend's son-in-law was one that was shot. So we, we were asked to pray for, for that, that guy. And, you know, for him, he was shot in the back was released the same day and on his way back to Southern California. So it was, it was a superficial wound for him. 
Um, but we just started to see what was happening. I turned on the news, and here's what I discovered in watching the news, and you might have found the same thing, that, that in the initial hours of what took place in Las Vegas, stuff was still unfolding. And so the news reporters could only give you about three to five minutes of, of actual information of what was happening, and then the rest of the segment blending into the half an hour, an hour, was a lot of rhetoric. It was a lot of opinions. It was a lot of thoughts. It was a lot of, of, uh, of just thinking about what took place. And did anybody else kind of experience that? I, I actually almost found myself a bit frustrated because I could, I, I could change the channel at every 15 minutes and it would only take a couple minutes to give the facts that a shooter had unleashed on a, on a crowd of 20-something thousand people and hundreds had been wounded. So many people were dead at this moment and they were still sorting stuff out and the shooter had taken his life. That was the facts of what was being told. But then in order to stay on, on air, and, and my opinion is to, to gain viewers and win an award at the end of the year, a lot of speculation started happening. And what I started to see was a lot of agendas unfold. So within a couple hours came the gun debate and whether or not guns should just be banned and, and that whole argument. Within a day or so came the conspiracies of the multiple shooters and of all that stuff. And I realized that we live in a, in a crooked and perverse world and that there's a lot of agendas taking place and that when tragedy happens in our world or in our area, a lot of times the morning or the the, 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 the taking time to reflect of what took place and the praying, the actual praying for the, the people that were involved can quickly slip away when you, we watch our news into an agenda. And then, you know, if we turn on social media, then th- there becomes that agenda. And I found myself a bit frustrated. And, and I, I realized that in times like this, much like 9-11, what ends up happening is a lot of people start asking the question, why and what do we do next? Why and what do we do next? And, and that's where we hear a lot of opinions and thoughts. And so then I recognize that for us as Christians, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, there might be the question of what is our agenda and what do we do next and why? And so it, I really just wanted to focus on that today. And I, here's what I feel like God wanted me to tell you guys, that there's a reason why we live in this time in history. There's a reason why, why you were put on earth and birthed at the time you, you were birthed and you, the time you received Jesus, the time you said yes to Jesus, and there's a place and a point for you to, to move and act in this world. It's not a coincidence. There's, there's not a coincidence that you're here, that we're sitting here, that this happened in our, in our world, and we as Christ followers have a responsibility to, to, to see our agenda put forward or God's agenda put forward. And so, and so what that is, is this, that in times like this, in this crooked and perverse generation that we live in, that we need to shine Jesus to the world. That we need to shine Jesus to the world. And so in our continued look at the book of Philippians, if you look over at chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says this at the end of 15. He says, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. He wrote this, and we're still dealing with this even right now, aren't we? And, and we're supposed to be shining like bright lights in this world. 
And so here's what we know. We know that Jesus described himself as a light. John 9, 5, he says this, While I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light. Paul tells us that we should shine like lights. I think that means we should shine like Jesus. I think that's what Paul is getting at when he says this. Here's what Jesus also says. He says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. I read then I say, okay, if Jesus is the light and if I follow him, I won't be in darkness and I will have light. And it makes sense to me that light brings life. If we look at how a plant grows or how, you know, just things in nature happen, we need light to bring life. I, I think about my favorite story of when I was deer hunting. I love to go deer hunting. And so this time of season is my favorite time of the year. And um, I think I love it because you go climb up in a tree and sit for a couple hours and you have to be quiet and just, just stare at whatever walks in front of you or hope something walks in front of you. So one specific morning a couple years ago, I got up early and I walked into the woods and it was pitch black. It was, and once you enter into the trees, any, any stars, any, any city lights or any you know, peripheral lighting disappears and it's pitch black. And in order to not give myself away, I would always make a point to try and get to, to the tree and up in the tree without using a flashlight or using you know, any kind of light just to not disturb what was, might be hanging out around me. And so I, I crept into the woods and I climbed up into the tree. And it's probably 30 minutes before light because you want to get up and get settled and quiet everything down in case you've disturbed anything. And I'm sitting there and it's dead silence, nothing. It's just quiet. And, and, and sometimes it could be a little bit creepy. And so I'm sitting there and I knew what time first light was because that means, you know, that's when it's time to get busy if something was to walk in front of you. So as first light started coming, you know, the, the, the sky outer, you could just start to see a little bit of light. But here's what, here's what I experienced, that I could see off to the east, and the very split second that the sun crept over the horizon, the, it was like, it, it seemed instantaneously, the woods exploded with life. Like instantly, birds started chirping, the squirrels started rush, running around, and, and you know, chipmunks and all this stuff started happening. And it, it, to me, it felt like it was almost instant that that happened when light entered into this, to, to the situation. And, and I remember reflecting on that, uh, just saying, that, that's a message. That could preach someday, you know? And so here we are. So, um, so I just remember thinking, wow. It was dead, and I want to I just emphasize that word, dead, silent. Nothing was happening. And then the second that light entered in, life happened. And it, and it really it impacted me enough that I remembered that. I, might, I think I might have told the story. Here's, here's the flip side of that. When I hunt in the evenings, like I'm hoping this afternoon to go out, I'll go out and it's bright, bright, you know, sunshine. And once I get up and get quiet and get settled then the squirrels and the birds and the chipmunks and everything else, just they come back around after I've, you know, spooked them away and, and they are rustling around. I've had, I've had squirrels come right down the tree, like within inches and just kind of stare at me. And I kind of am going, boo, boo, just because I don't want this squirrel jumping on my head. But as darkness starts to settle, life starts to disappear. As it starts to get darker and darker, the animals, they go quiet. 
and they, and they start to disappear. And I realize that that's reflective of what this scripture is saying, that we live in this perverse and crooked generation. Darkness is coming in, and as darkness comes, death and, and, and life ceases to happen. And Paul is saying that we need to shine like lights. We need to shine like Jesus in this dark world. And so, and so Jesus describes himself as the light, and he says, while I'm here in this, in this world... I am a light to the world. But then Jesus does another thing that I find interesting in Matthew. He says this, you are the light of the world. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his followers. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it is given light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And here's, here's, here's the picture I see. I see Jesus passing the torch to his followers saying, go be my light to this world. Go be my light. Shine me to a world that needs to know me. That needs to know me. And so in, in, in response to what took place in Las Vegas, my, my, my call to us this morning is that we need to be lights to this world. My call to us is that everything you've ever learned in Sunday school, in church, all the information you've gathered, all the stuff we've been talking about over the past three years as a church, it's time to go be lights to this world and to shine Jesus to a world that's asking what the heck is going on. And so that's what we need to walk out of here being willing to do is saying, I'm going to be a light to somebody in my life that needs to see Jesus. We need to walk out of here. So if you have your Bible, go to Philippians and we're going to start chapter 2, verse 12. And I'm reading out of the um, New Living Translation. So if you have another version, just track along with me. But I'm going to go through from um, verse 12 to 16. And, it's, and this is what Paul says. He says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. So, so here's the picture. Paul's sitting in prison. And he, he knows that the church at Philippi, when he was with them, had a lot of zeal and, and were ready to work and do the, do the stuff of God. And he's just simply saying, while I'm away, do it even more. Okay, the end of verse 12 says this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and, gar- and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firm to the word of life. So if you've been following along with us in our, in our study of Philippians over the past four or five weeks, here's just, just kind of the reminder of what we looked at. Paul is encouraging the church, and, we can, and, and this translates to us, to be humble people to be people that are humble. He's encouraging the church to be united people. He's saying, you guys group together so that the world will see who, you, who I am through you. Paul, Paul encourages the church to, to live as citizens of heaven. And, what, and if you remember what that meant is that we keep our eyes focused on, on God's kingdom. We say that that's, that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're running towards. That's what guides us. That's what what we march towards. That's what, what we get up in the morning every morning to do is, is to live for God's kingdom. Last week, 
Paul said, now all these things, let me show you by example what Jesus did and walk using Jesus as your example. And so today, what I want to get at, the, the, the ends to everything I'm talking about is that we need to live as lights in the dark world. So I'm going to kind of work backwards through these, these verses. Um, verse 16 says, hold firmly to the word of life. And, and we know that Jesus is the word. He gives life. And, and so what, every week the take home is go walk out having Jesus be in control of your life. And, and I think this is what Paul's saying is hold firmly to that. Let Jesus be in control of your life, okay? But then there's two other areas that Paul gives us on how we should shine in this dark world. And, and so again, working backwards, verse 14, he says that we need to be united. And we've talked about this, but he says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can cr- criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives of children. And I, and I say we need to be united because in order for God's people to be united, we need to, we need to live humbly. We need to, we need to think of others equal to ourselves. We need to not argue and complain with each other, but we need to, and that will bring unity. Now, let me just explain this. If you have a different version, like if you have NIV or, or, or another version, at verse 12, it might have said, therefore, the very beginning. My, my version said, dear friends, but verse 12 might have said, therefore, or so then. And, and here's what we need to understand that when we see that, and you guys might have known, might know this or heard this, we need, to, we need to recognize that what Paul's about to say is the answer or the why to everything he said before. So that therefore, what he's saying is, I've just told you guys to live humbly, to live united, to keep, keep God's kingdom in your focus. Therefore, work out your salvation. Therefore, right now, be united. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. And so, so when we look at this scripture, we have the ends, which is shine like bright, like, like bright stars. And the means, the way we get there is that we be united. That's, that's the first area. If we're going to shine in this world, we need to be united. Because the world is, is, is torn apart. Because you could turn on the news and you can hear four different arguments or, or agendas going on because of what took place in Las Vegas. Or you can turn on social media and get everybody's opinion about what's going on. And it's different than everybody else's. The world is, is separate. The world's tore apart, and we need to be united. So if we're going to be united, we need to be humble people. If we're going to be humble people, then individually, we all have to take a, a posture of humility. We have to do it in order to be united so we can shine like Jesus in this world. So we need to be united. Verse 12, look back here. Here's our second area of how we shine like Jesus in a dark world. It says that we need to work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So work out your own salvation. So if if you have a Bible, again, you might have work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How many have ever heard that that verse? I've heard that verse. Unfortunately, I've heard that verse preached way out of context. And 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 I and I when we came upon this verse, I, I when I've heard it preached, I've heard it preached that the, the end of working out your salvation with fear and trembling is to gain your assurance of salvation. And the means is that you work, work it out and work hard and don't, don't sin so that you can keep your salvation. And, and I, I feel ashamed of pastors that do that. We, we're not allowed to take a verse and pluck it out of a scripture and put it in and use it for the, to, 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 
explain our doctrine. We have to look at the scripture, the verse, and say, what is being said here around the whole verse? We have to say, Paul says for us to work hard to show the results of our salvation, obeying God with deep fear and reverence. Why? So that we can shine like lights in this crooked and perverse generation. And so, so we do that by living in humility, by being united. We do that. We work out our results of our salvation through the fruit of the Holy Spirit shining through us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Did I hit them all? Probably if I miss one, it's because that's the one I struggle with. We walk out the new life that we've been given through salvation. So let's dig that in there a little bit deeper because this can confuse somebody. This can be a complex verse that can cause some questions. In the Greek, <laughs> you're like, Tom, you're going to use Greek. No, I'm not going to use Greek. <laughs> I'm not that smart. But in the Greek, there are three words in the, in the New Testament that, that are the word for salvation or for being saved. Okay, there's three words. I'm not going to try and pronounce them because I'll just mess them up. You guys won't remember them anyways, right? We just don't do that. It just, I think people do that to make themselves sound smart. But there's, just trust me, there's three words that, that describe the word saved or salvation, okay? And so, so the, the, one of the Greek words, it describes when we're being saved or when, we, when we're saved from the penalty of our sin. When, when, we're, when we're no longer slaves to sin of this world, and that Jesus has saved us from the penalty of sin. And that's called justification. That means we're, been, we're being set apart, or, or that we've been, we, our relationship with, with God has been restored because of Christ on the cross, has been restored back to where it was at pre-sin. Okay, that's justification. Another word for being saved is, is the salvation we will have when we leave this earthly body and we crumble to the ground and our souls go and are united with God. And that's our glorification, okay? We're saved from all, from sin ever, ever affecting us from, the, from the, the junk of this world. We're completely saved because we're out of it. We've entered into eternity and that's our glorification. That's the final act of salvation. The third, or the, the center part of salvation, which is Paul talking about, is us being saved from the sin, the temptation of sin, the junk that the world wants to attach ourselves to while we walk out this life. And that's called our sanctification. That's us being set apart for God's glory, set apart for righteous living. And when Paul says to work out your salvation, what he's saying is work out and be sanctified in God so that the world will know that there's something different about you, so that the, the light of Jesus working it out and living in you will be seen to the world. So, so here, here's how it goes. I come to Jesus, and I'm, I know nothing about God. I'm a sinner. I'm a normal person in this world. I'm the, it's, I'm the way I'm born. And I say yes to Jesus. I say, Jesus, I recognize that, that I, I do that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, I'm bowing before you and saying, Jesus, you are, are Lord of my life. You are my Savior. You died on the cross for me. I have just been justified in, in the sight of God. I'm walking my life and I die and I go into eternity. I've been glorified. But while I'm here, we have this tension 
of our salvation and our, our justification, our glorification of walking in this crooked and perverse world as lights of Jesus and, and as stuff attaches us, I need to walk in a level of faith of letting God come and his grace come and clean me out. And that's our sanctification. One, one person put it as this. He says, we cannot be content with our past glories. And here's how I see that. We can't be content with our back glories. We can't say yes to Jesus and then just sit down and wait till we die. We can't be content with our past glories, but need to demonstrate our faith day by day as we nurture our relationship with God. But while God's justice is a cause for our sober living, which is our fear and trembling, our reverence to God, it is not, though, as Paul wants the Philippians to be anxious that they can never be good enough to merit God's favor. Rather, it is God's love and enabling grace that will see them through it. And that takes us to the promise. Because sandwiched between verses, verses 12 and 14 through 16 is verse 13. And it says that God's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And here's what that means. It means that we don't have to work out our salvation alone. It means that the Holy Spirit living in each person that, that says yes to Jesus is, is giving us the ability to move through this life, shedding off the sin that, that it wants to attach itself to us or working out the stuff in our life that we need to work out. It means that, it means that I don't have to work hard and, and be concerned about, oh, how am I going to do this on my own? Because we can't do it on our own. But when the Holy Spirit is in us, God is working in us to clear that stuff out and to bring about the righteous living in order to bring pleasure to himself. You remember when, when Jesus, he went to that pool of Bethesda? There you go. Crazy situation about this pool where one, you know, people can get into it and get healed out of the pool. And there's this guy who's been there 38 years and he's laying on this mat and Jesus is, kind of says something like, hey, why don't you get in? And the guy says, I just don't have the ability to get in. I have nobody to lift me in. So this guy obviously couldn't pick himself up off the ground and get into the pool. And Jesus says to him, get up, take your mat and walk. You remember this? So this, Jesus heals this guy on the spot right there. Here, here's, here's what I'm trying to say in how God works it out in us is that that guy for 38 years could not get up off the ground and, and walk. He couldn't do it. But when Jesus came and dealt with him, he, he was able to get up off the ground. He was able to, to do what he's never been able to do before because Jesus entered into his life. He, he, he didn't, two minutes before, he didn't have the ability to stand up. He was, he was stick, sick the same, same way he's been for 38 years. But because Jesus said, you can do it, I'm going to work in you and get up and, and walk. He, he had to take the steps to physically get himself up, but it was the healing of, of God in him that lifted him up. It wasn't his own power because he wasn't doing it on his own power, but he had to take the steps to do it. So what I'm saying with that is as followers of Jesus, we have to take steps every day to confess sin, to deal with what, what we allow ourselves to get caught up in, to ask God to come in and, and, and cleanse us and forgive us and, and to lead us and to guide us. And that's, that's the working out that Paul's talking about. So, so if we're going to be lights to this crooked and perverse world, we need to be united people. How, how are we going to do that? It's, it's that we're not going to grumble and complain about stuff between ourselves. We're not going to bicker. We're going we're to provide a united front 
to a world that's screaming out for answers. Here's what my wife and I always say, because we have kids that are screaming out for answers. And I think they're crooked and perverse sometimes. But um, my wife and I always say this, we will disagree behind the door, we will agree in, in public. Does that make sense? Disagree in private, agree in public. And I think that's smart for us as a church, that, that we can work our stuff out and our issues out behind closed doors as, as just followers of Jesus. So if we have issues, let's deal with them. If, if there's stuff that you don't like about me, let's deal with them. But to the world, we provide a united front. We don't grumble and complain. We don't argue in front of the world. We say we are one in Jesus. Jesus is our light, and we're shining him through us. And that's our unity. Okay, so will you stand with me? And I want to just encourage you to continue to pray for those that those are just dealing with with Las Vegas. Continue to pray for the for the world. The fact that people need light to have life and they need Jesus. They need to be shed of the baggage that they're carrying. They need to, they need to understand that, that he brings life to those that will come to him. And, and we have been handed this torch to carry that light. We've been given it. It's, it's our responsibility. It's not only our responsibility, it's our, it's our privilege. In, in a day just as this, that we get to be the people to shine the light to Warsaw, to our families, to those around us. Today's the day to take everything we've talked about and now put it into, into practice. Put it into work, if you will. So, so as we wrap up, here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter into ministry time. And what that is, is if you want prayer for something, we want to pray with you. If you need to, if you need to say yes to Jesus, if you need that first step of salvation, that, that justification, if you need to say, Man, I need Jesus in my life right now because I'm, I'm walking in darkness. We want to pray with you. We want, we want, we want, to, we, we want to be excited about what God's going to do in your life. So this morning there was a, a word given as we prayed this morning before service that, that maybe somebody in here has walked in here carrying a bunch of baggage that they shouldn't be carrying. You're just carrying baggage. Baggage of life, baggage of sin, baggage of past hurts, and... We want to encourage you to dump that baggage off here at the feet of Jesus, if you will, and let God, let God take care of that. Give that to him and let him give you something new. So would you come up and get prayed for? We're going to finish with a, a song of worship, and then at the end of that, you'll see people kind of walk up here, and you could just come up and, and talk to one of these people if you need prayer for anything. All right, so Jesus, we... God, it's, it's an honor that you... Call us to be your light, to shine what you've done in this world to a world that needs to hear it, to carry that, that message. So Lord, this week, as, we've make, as we are making commitments right now, that yes, it's time we're gonna shine you. People will know that you live because of our living, because of who we are. Would you bring people our way, God? Would you, would you make these appointments that somebody will come into our, into our path of our life and while we go about our daily business, that we will have the opportunity to share your love with. God, would you set that up right now? Would you draw people to yourself and let us step into that and be a part of that and shine for you? 
God, my commitment is that when that, when that takes place, I will be bold enough. I will step aside from my fears. I will step aside from, from, from being laughed at or, or criticized. And I will step forward and share you with that person as you bring that person my way. And God, I pray that right now, even as I've prayed that, maybe, maybe a, somebody's, somebody, a picture of somebody in, in their life has just popped up in their head. Maybe a, a coworker or a neighbor or a family or, or, or a close friend that you know that that's the person that you're, you're going to be sharing Jesus with. God, I pray that as you've popped those pictures up in the head of people here, that they will make a commitment that, yes, I will be your light. I will share you with that person when that person approaches me. And God, we'll, we'll rejoice at, at what you do in the hearts and the lives of the people that, that you set this up. And God, you will get all the glory because we worship you and we live for you. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.